Would you pray with me for a moment? Loving God, speak to us once again your word of love, your word of grace. May it bear fruit in our hearts that we may doers and not just hearers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about commandments and, and rules a lot this week as I, as I was preparing for this sermon. Um, and um, if I ask you how many commandments do you know, this is not going to be a test. I'm not going to test you on this, but do you know the commandments in the scripture? Some people may be like, okay, so I know the Ten Commandments. I may be able to even recite them from memory and say this, you know, uh, I, I know them in Spanish, because <laughs> that's how I learned them. But um, uh, the, one of the things that I, I don't think a lot of people realize is that there's more than Ten Commandments in the Bible. Did you know this? Yeah, I'm not talking about 11 or 12. Hundreds, right? There's a lot of these commandments in the scripture. And uh, we find so many rules, so many regulations. Some of these have to do with what people were supposed to wear at the time. The, 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 the dress code was a little strict for them. Um, the things that they were supposed to eat. But also they have things like how to take care of people who are hungry in, their, in the margins. Right? How much food do you live out of the harvest so that they can be fed? You know, so many of these things um, were commandments, and, and many people, many particularly Jewish people, still follow a lot of these a lot of these regulations to this day. Right? Um, many of these rules had to do with holiness, but also with purity, cleanliness. And in this particular chapter that we just read, if we go back to the first verse of the, of the chapter, um, we realize that the disciples of Jesus break one of these rules. They break a rule. This is outrageous for the disciples to do that. Do you know what rule they broke? They didn't wash their hands when they were eating. Now, not following these rules. They, back then, they didn't have an idea of like germs and bacteria and stuff like this. They did it for other purposes. But not following the rules such as this one could get you in trouble. Okay? Um, they knew of tradition. They knew of the law. And so when the Pharisees, the experts of the law at the time, realize what the disciples are doing, they go to Jesus and say, why are your disciples breaking the tradition of our elders? Seems like an accusation, not just of the disciples, but of Jesus himself. What are your disciples doing? What are you teaching them, Jesus? How come they're not washing their hands like the rest of us? Now, as I preach this sermon, let none of it be construed as me telling you not to wash your hands before you eat. I'm a big proponent, proponent of hand washing. That's, let's just, Keep that on the record. <laughs> and you know, Jesus was not an ignorant person. He actually knew. He was very familiar with the law. And But the thing, here's the thing with Jesus, is that he had, for a lot of these regulations, for a lot of these laws, he had a different, he, he looked at them from a different perspective. He had a different interpretation of the text of the law. Here's a nice word for you, and I told you I like fancy words. Hermeneutics. Have you heard this word before? Do you know what hermeneutics means? 
Hermeneutics refers to the interpretation of a text. It's almost like an affirmation that text may be read different ways, in different ways by different people, or even the same person will read a text at a different time in their lives, and, and they will glean something different from it. Has that ever happened to you? You're reading scripture, uh, the same passage that you've read many, many, many times before, but all of a sudden, a new word just kind of calls your attention to it. And you're like, how come I've never thought of this before? One of the exercises that we do for our Bible study, which by the way, y'all are invited to this, at 9 a.m. on the library um, here at the church, um, is I ask the question, what are some of the words that get your attention from this text? Such a simple question, right? Well, some people will come up with different words. Some people will say, it's this word for me. I'm wondering what that means. Some other people will say, well, it's this word for me. I wonder what that means. Someone today said about this passage that we just read is the, the, the words, um, leave them alone. And then we got into a whole conversation to what those words meant. And it's fascinating because honestly, I wasn't, I, I didn't even notice those words until someone else brought them up to me. And I had read this passage. I've been reading this passage this whole week. Different contexts, different people, different interpretations. Many times the interpretation changes with the emphasis we give to a text. I love this exercise. Take the phrase, for instance, I didn't kill his dog. Okay? And we'll see how emphasis makes a lot of a difference when we say even these words, okay? So let, let's, let's look at the phrase, I didn't kill his dog, and let's put the emphasis in different words. What is the person saying when, I, when, when they said, well, I didn't kill his dog? Or someone else said, I didn't kill his dog. Or what? I didn't kill his dog. What did you do, right? I didn't kill his dog. <laughs> right? You look at the dogs in the community and see what's going on. Well, I didn't kill his dog. Well, what did you kill, right? So it's the same phrase, but you see how just placing the emphasis in the different words actually makes a difference in how people hear it? Oh boy, I gotta tell you, when I read, when I remember going to church when I was a kid and reading the Psalms and all the words were read in the same tone. And I was like, oh, something is just lost in these readings. Because I don't, first of all, the Psalms, friends, they're songs. They were meant to be sung back in the, back in the day. And sometimes when we read something in a very monotone kind of way, some of this message is lost because we miss some of this interaction with the text. Even the emphasis makes a difference. Now the question that's important for us today is this. How did Jesus read the law? How did Jesus read the scriptures at the time? What is the hermeneutics of Jesus? Where does he begin? as he read the, reads the text, right? Well, I believe that the hermeneutics of Jesus begins with people. 
He cared about relationships. Look at the passage we just read, for instance. Pharisees realized the disciples are not washing their hands. Outrageous, how dare, how dare they not do that? But then Jesus, they're focusing on an action. Jesus reads that differently and he says, well, I don't think it's what goes into a person, into a mouth, what defiles a person. But what's, what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Now that's a different approach to a, a, a law, right? He cares more not about the food that the people are eating, but about the things that are in our hearts. And what's coming out of our hearts. The things that we put in our hearts. And how those things translate into actions. He says it is out of the heart that evil thoughts come. Not just evil thoughts, but murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Friends, all of these things <clears throat> are social concepts. We may think of eating a meal as something that's very personal, but when, th when we think about the things that are in our hearts, and how they impact or shape the way in which we interact with people, they eventually will come out. Whatever you put in your heart, whatever you uh, uh, are nurturing yourself or feeding yourself with spiritually, that is what will come out eventually, in some way, shape, or form. I believe that. So this is why I believe that it's important for us to be mindful of the things that we are consuming. Right? Once again, I'm not just talking about food here. When you turn on the TV, what are you consuming and how is that finding a place into your heart? When you watch the news, how is that finding a place into your heart? When you engage with other people in conversation, how is that impacting the relationships you have with the people around you. Jesus began with relationships. Jesus began with people. What if our guiding principle, what if our prime directive for all you Star Trek fans out there, was to read the Bible and to analyze the laws with an eye out for caring for the poor and the marginalized? What difference would that make in our lives? Would it make a difference? I think many, many of us don't realize this when we do it, but sometimes we read the Bible and we read the law and we think, hmm, how does this benefit me? What does this have to say about me? I, I like to make this example to people because it's just helpful to me. Maybe you have another way to explain it, but here's how I understand it. And that is that we all have an internal lawyer inside of us, always looking to make our case, always coming to our defense. This lawyer is very good. This lawyer wants to make us look good. And I have to say, my internal lawyer, very good. 
Let me give you an example. You know, my wife and I, we don't fight a lot. We're kind of mellow kind of people. We try to avoid confrontations, but uh, we're pretty quiet. <clears throat> so when we argue with each other, it's very memorable, right? So let me tell you about the yogurt incident of 2021. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you see, my wife and I, we both, both of us, we love yogurt, right? And so we buy those cases of yogurt and we keep them at home. Sometimes we buy the ones with the little, they come with something else. You pour, put it in the yogurt, like uh, cookie crumbles and things like that. Oh, love, I love those. Um, so we put them in the refrigerator, and then all, very suddenly our politics change, right? So <laughs> I happen to believe that once the yogurt is in the refrigerator, we want the food, the food in the refrigerator, that's for everybody, right? You say amen? She, I'm trying to find out who's on my side on this one. <laughs> and then when my wife comes back, we'll tell her, okay? Um, and she believes what's in the refrigerator is for everybody as well, except we interpret that differently. We have different hermeneutics of the refrigerator, because here's the thing. What I mean when I say it's for everybody, I usually mean, ooh, more for me, right? What she means is, Everybody should have some. And there was this one time when we bought this and there was like one or two yogurts left. And I later found out that she was saving that for herself, but what happened was I didn't know. And I ate the yogurt, right? Now, when we had that conversation, my internal lawyer came to my rescue. Objection! Your Honor, certainly, if she wanted that yogurt, she would have written her name on it. <laughs> you see, that's good. That's good. Um, but that's not how it works sometimes, right? Sometimes, uh, and I think this is the, 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 the hermeneutics of Jesus, the thing about Jesus is that he wants us to put our internal lawyers to rest just for a little bit, okay? And perhaps in doing so, we will allow ourselves to think of the needs of other people, their needs, their hopes. Jesus wants us to look inside of us, have a time of introspection, to look within our hearts, not in a way that's defensive, not in a way that's, you know, making our case for us first, but in a way that focuses on relationships of others. See, the Pharisees were very good at making their case and accusing others. I can't be very good at making my case and forgetting about the needs of other people. But Jesus invites me to consider a social holiness. This is, this is the kind of hermeneutics, and let's call it the hermeneutics of compassion. This kind of hermeneutics you don't learn in seminary, right? I mean, you're, you learn in theory about it, but this is the kind of thing you have to practice constantly to learn it. I like 
the word for remember in Spanish? Does anybody know what the word for remember in Spanish is? Recuerdo. Recuerdo, yeah, recordar. Yeah, absolutely. Recordar comes from, cordar actually means heart, right? So when you say recordar, when you say remember, you're actually, it's something you keep in your heart. You bring to heart, right? So you remember, you bring to heart, you make it part of your, um, of your life, right? When we, re when we remember, cuando recordamos other people, we're giving, making room for them in our lives, in our hearts. We consider their needs. We embrace a social rather than an individual holiness because there's no such thing as an individual holiness. One of the things we talked about in our study group this morning was uh, many of us grew up hearing the word, uh, people telling us we have to have a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's great. Here's what I have found though, is that as I look for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus keeps inviting people into our relationship. Can you say amen? So really my personal relationship with Jesus is not personal at all. Because it invites me to consider the needs of others, to remember, recordar. One of my favorite definitions of humility was given by C.S. Lewis, he said, humility is not about thinking less of yourself, but about thinking of yourself less. Having an opportunity to think about other people. Friends, my challenge for me and for you today is to read the scripture through these lens, through this hermeneutics of compassion. Considering those who are often excluded from our discourse. Considering those who are often marginalized by our words, by our readings of Scripture, by our interpretations of Scripture. I believe in my heart of hearts, friends, that if we believe, if we begin with compassion, we're getting closer to what I would call um, an, an appropriate interpretation of a text. If we begin with compassion, we maybe uh, consider the needs of other people more, but it begins with introspection, and that's not an easy thing to do. Can you say amen? It can be difficult even painful sometimes, to look within our hearts, to confront our internal lawyer, to give him a little bit of a break, and to make room for Jesus. And as we make room for Jesus, we make room for everyone else. May he show us the way to a more compassionate hermeneutics, to a very truly social holiness, a relationship with, with God that invites other people in. May we be open to this today. Amen. Let us pray.
Loving God, we thank you for your word. We know it can be challenging. We know it's easy sometimes to listen to our internal lawyer and, and we want to have, we want to be right. <laughs> but you don't invite us, God, to be right. You invite us to be compassionate. Help us, God, consider the needs of others. Help us not impose rules on people, but to, but to invite people in, to bring them in, into relationships. God, as we do this, help us be mindful of the things that we put in our hearts, because we know that those things will eventually come out. Help us bring in compassion so that we may uh, share justice. Help us bring it in love so that we may bring out love. Help us, God, be fed by your word and live so that we may be uh, so that we may live in such a way that people may come to know not how good we are, but how good you are. Guide us, Jesus. Guide us, Jesus. So it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.